Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Coming up on Squats and Margaritas. I had a guy on my page post the other day something like, you know, uh, I just think that everything in moderation is bullshit. And I'm going to tell you what, what right now. You're right. Everything in moderation is bullshit. What he was trying to, he's like, I just think there are some foods that should be off limits and everything in moderation is a lie. I and, don't. And, he, and here's the thing, which why that is so absolutely ignorant. The truth is, is that another word for moderation is satisfaction. Because when you can go throughout your week feeling satisfied, you will naturally moderate because you don't have this desire or this need to like go binge because you've been you've been giving yourself a little bit of nutritional relief mindfully throughout the week. You are taking foods off the pedestal. And so so you if you are practicing satisfaction throughout your week, you are enjoying the food you're eating. You will naturally naturally practice moderation for I sure. completely agree yeah. with you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're satisfied with not having to binge because you're getting what you want. So yes. if you're allowing for all foods to be allowed and you have a little bit, it's not, yes, I completely disagree with him because when you know you can have it, you, there's no need to binge. It's yeah. not like this far off, like fantasy food that you're not supposed to have. It's just food. It's neutral. Welcome to squats and margaritas. I'm Erin Washington, a mom of two trying to balance all the things. I'm a mompreneur, a former college athlete, and a woman that struggled for 20 years with body image, multiple eating disorders, and having no self-worth. I talk to strong, vulnerable, and authentic women and share conversations for other women to feel seen and less alone. If you are looking for tips on how to level up, balance all the things, or just listen and learn from strong, powerful women, you found the right place. This is Squats and Margaritas. Hey, senorita, really nice to meet ya. Have some tequila and stay. This week on Squats and Margaritas, it's wellness coach Amber Shaw. You know her as the host of the Wellness Revolution podcast, which I was just a guest on, and I could have talked to her for four hours. Um, we have so much in common. She has so much knowledge to share. Um, we went over an hour on her podcast and then I was like, why don't we just jump on mine and continue the conversation? Um, I know she dealt with some disordered eating, bulimia specifically like me, and now she has turned her pain into purpose. I feel like I've heard that somewhere. Oh yeah. My new book on Amazon from pain to purpose, finding meaning in the mess is available. Now, please get a copy and please consider leaving me a review for squats and margaritas podcast on Apple podcasts. Here is my episode with Amber Shaw. I recently was a guest on your podcast, wellness revolution, and I'm learning the more I talk to women in the space and the wellness coaching space, you're in the coaching space because you went through something. And Mm -hmm. as I did your show, you were very open. We both dealt with eating disorders and are now kind of doing what we do now to inspire women. 
I'm so interested on how these things start. Um, is it your environment? Like I'm a firstborn perfectionist. Can we start with your childhood? I know that something happened around nine, but also that your parents got divorced when you were seven. You know, it's really interesting. I haven't yet made the connection with the divorcing of my parents, like directly to my body image issues. I tell you now later in therapy, I've definitely linked it to like the way I am in relationships. Right. So like (laughs) my abandonment issues and like, you know, I'm definitely, I can be like a stage five clinger. I didn't realize that till I was divorced. Um, no, well, really it's just (laughs) that I have that, um, you know, my attachment style is really what I'm referring to is that, um, so for me, I definitely think though, that when my parents divorced, it absolutely, you know, affected me at such a deep level and just the way that I showed up in a lot of different areas. I think it just started to affect the way that I, um, you know, got, got loved and, 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 and sought out love. I think Mm -hmm. that it started to affect probably like, like bringing up worthiness issues. I mean, the truth is, And I didn't realize this until I became a mom because I went through my whole life thinking, um, I I was actually, I went through my parents' divorce just fine. Like it was no big deal, no no big deal. It wasn't until I actually got divorced. And then also when I had children that I realized there's no effing way that that divorce wasn't so detrimental to my little seven-year-old brain. Like there's no way I look at my kid, you know, think about your kids, right? Like she's seven. How could it not? How could it not be? How yeah. could it not be? Right? Yeah. But but you know, you mentioned like when I was nine years old, and I, I talk about a lot of on my story about the age of nine because I can remember that was like one of my first memories. Like when I look back at pictures of myself when I was a little girl, and when I think back to that time in my life, it was just the first time in my life where I can remember feeling not okay in my body. Mm. Like not good enough in my body. I was never a super overweight kid. Um, I was very athletic. I was always very tall. Uh, you know, my dad was a big rugby player. Like I took after him uh, and I just had, um, I had f- female figures in my life uh, that made comments about me being just a, you know, a big girl. I'm doing big in quotation marks, yeah. like a big girl. And you couple that with the fact that I was also way bigger than like the boys in my grade. Uh, and so it just, from a very early age, I just felt like the body I was in was not good enough. Mm. And so it just became, it just, that's where it started of this very um, unhealthy relationship with my body. And this progressed to when I was, you know, 15 years old, I can remember starting my first calorie restricted diet. Um, I mean, truth is at 15, I swear, I didn't even know what a calorie was like, literally, yeah. I just remember going to Subway and like looking at the, 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 um, the list of sandwiches and picking the veggie sub. Cause that was the lowest in calories. That's yeah. all I knew. And, you know, fast forward, um, you know, all through high school, I was an athlete. I was a track runner. I was a, I was a cheerleader. I was, you know, from the outside looking in, I mean, I was like, very, you know, I was the popular girl. I was very in shape. I was like all the things, you know, we're the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I like, I told you how many times like you and wait, me. was it, were the eating disorders happening? At that time in the high school when you were all those things in, in an athlete? I was, no, I was not a bulimic at that time. I was not bulimic at that time. I was not practicing bulimia at that time, but I was absolutely, 
I was doing more restrictive eating, right? It was like, I, yeah, I mean, I I was like, I would like overdo it. And then the next day I'd be like calculating what was I not going to eat that day. Like I was just constantly, Mm -hmm. you know, restricting, binging that, but I wasn't throwing up. I wasn't doing that. That didn't start until my early twenties and exactly the same. We are exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I know. Right. I know. I told you this. I was like, when I read your book, I was like, damn, Oh my God. So And I think for me, the catalyst for that was I was in a relationship with somebody at the time um, and he was very into health and fitness. He, oh, I I remember he was a trainer and he would always talk about like eating perfect and da, 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 da. And, And, but he was, we were like, so not a match relationally. Like, I mean, seriously, I mean, he was like an avoidant attachment style and I'm an anxious attachment style. If you know anything about the attachment styles, like those are the worst, right? Like you avoiding you and you're chasing after him. Yes, it was He's like, "Ah." oh my God. Yes. And so I, things were feeling very, very out of control for me. And so like, I just, even on a subconscious level, I think I just felt like this was the one thing I could control. And so like, if I could just, you know, if I could have the perfect body and I, this took years of therapy for me to get there. Like, I didn't know this at the time, but I think in my mind, I, I, I thought if I had the perfect body, if I looked perfect, then he will love me. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, and, and that was a theme of my life though. Looking back, you asked about the divorce of my parents at at nine years old or 10 years old or whatever. I wasn't thinking my dad wanted me to have a perfect body, but I just felt like if I looked perfect, then I would be accepted. I would be loved. And, and that was like the theme throughout my life. So yeah. Yeah. Your worth, your value is your weight. Yes. Like and my worth, scale. my value was the way that I looked. And yeah. for me, the the better I looked, the more it fed the beast, because the more meaning, like the more people would tell me, you yeah. know, oh my God, your legs are amazing. Like how, you know, you look incredible. To me, that was just like, that just fed the beast. Right. So yeah. then that also created this fear within me that was like, because I was so insecure with myself that if I lose that, then I will not be loved. Yeah. Who am I? Yeah. Right? Oh. And you know, it's, yeah, right. That was your identity. You, know, you were getting, that was my identity. Validated. Yes. If you stopped, it was like, no one would even notice you anymore. You know, it's really interesting. I know. And I was talking about this. I was doing a podcast interview with somebody who used to be a female competitor. And I think you and I might've been talking about this a little bit, but you know, I, my dad was a rugby player and for a female, I have, my, I got legs from my dad, right? I've got these quads from my dad and my whole life, my nickname's always been like Quadzilla and this and that. And it's like always been like a thing. No, no. But, but what I'm saying though, is that I can remember a time in my twenties. And this is so crazy when I think about this looking back, but it was so deeply ingrained in me and my self-worth was so low that I could just remember being at the gym, like killing myself with the squats, not strong as shit, mm-hmm. killing myself because I felt like, I felt like, no, seriously, who am I without being Quadzilla? Like it was so entangled in my identity. It's what made me special. Okay, right. Yes, All right. Yes. Like it's what made me different. It's what, and I, it's like, it's so crazy looking back, but it all just goes back to the same theme. Everything was tied to my physical appearance. Everything was tied to my physical appearance. Exactly. 
So fast forward to, you know, going, uh, you know, living my, just, this is just the theme of my life. I get married, I get pregnant, both babies. Um, I gained about 65, 70 pounds with both kids. I just used those nine months as an all out binge fest. Uh, cause I'd been dieting, restrictive eating for so long. I had stopped the bulimia in my early twenties. I had gotten help from a therapist. And so I had physically stopped the act of, of bulimia. Yeah, we but to, not we need to pause yeah. there yeah. because yeah, I yeah. didn't get help. Like, okay. and we're the same. So how come at that we are doing it in our early twenties? Like the only reason that I didn't get help because I needed it. I knew it was a problem. It was taking over my life was the shame. Like if mm-hmm. I got help, then everyone would know. So I just didn't, I still haven't to this day. I, I eventually stopped doing it. What made you like not even care about the shame and be like, I need to get help because I never did. More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Now back to squats and margaritas. Well, I didn't like broadcast it. Like, keep in mind, social media wasn't even around. Like, it was like me and my therapist. Like, we knew I didn't have to go to outpatient treatment or anything like that. I was making enough money myself. My mom knew because, you know, she's my bestie and like I could tell her everything. My mom knew, but I was able to just go to like, you know, um, like, you know, regular therapist who specialized in this. And I was making enough money to where I could afford it. And my mom knew about it. Um, but I didn't really tell anybody. I mean, I didn't tell anybody for a long time. Same. Um, can yeah. I ask, like, was there like a rock bottom moment where you're like, yeah, I need to actually get treatment for this? Like, what made you finally stop and seek treatment? I think I don't recall, to be honest, if there was like a pivotal moment where I was like, this is it. This is it. I think it was a series. It was just a series of moments. And I think that I one of the the big like positive influences in my life that really like encouraged me was right around that time I like decided I was going to swear off all straight men I wasn't going to date anybody because f this guy who was like ruining my life <laughs> and I got I live in Atlanta and so I got introduced to a a group of gay men and the the it, honestly like for about two and a half years I didn't even date anybody I seriously just ran with all gay men it was the <laughs> best thing for my life. They made me, built me back up again. And uh-huh. I had confided in one of my friends and he was like, you know what? Like, I think, you know, like, like, like really encouraged me to get the support with that. I did not meet my husband until actually I met my husband when I was seven. We were in the second grade together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I've known him forever. Oh we started God. dating um, after like my post treatment hiatus, when I was like, probably like 26, 27, somewhere in there. Um, that's when we reconnected Yeah, okay. after the okay. bulimia. Yep. 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 So, I mean, I would say about that time though, when I got therapy, I, you know, well, let me back up. There was still a lot of mess going on. <laughs> I just wasn't throwing up anymore. Yeah. I was using cocaine every weekend. Oh, okay. I was, okay. yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, oh, no, yeah, no, no. I just, I just yeah. migrate. I just moved my addiction. I just moved to a different it over. Thing. 
to a different thing. I get it. Oh, we're um, going to get there too. Oh yeah. <laughs> nah, I just moved that over. Okay. So um, I was, um, but, but what I always like to say about the, the bulimia part of it, which I think is really important is that at that time I went through the therapy to stop the physical act. Um, I think I got to a point too, where I was just afraid. I was afraid that it was going to go too far. And so I, um, I did the therapy to get through the physical act, but I didn't really heal. I didn't get to the root. Like I obviously didn't heal what was really going on with me because it just like, I mean, it just continued. It manifests into other ways. Like in other ways, throwing up your food. The reason that you were doing that is still there. Even sure. though you're not throwing up your food. Okay. I was throwing my food. I just started snorting stuff up my nose. Like, that's what I <laughs> and then you went to drug rehab. No. So no, you got that under control. You know, they say like functional alcoholic. I don't know. How can you say I was like the functional cocaine user? Like, I, I don't I know. And the functional like drugs. Like it was like it, back in Atlanta at that time, if you had money and you were in your twenties, it was like, it was sort of like the white collar drug like this is just what everybody did everybody just went out on a friday night you had drinks you went to big fancy dinners you you know end up at the club in the bathroom all night long like this is just you know it wasn't ever and there's no judgment like you know i mean there's no i'm not saying my situation was better than anybody else i'm just saying that just was the situation it was like i was still going to, to work every day i was making a ton of money i was living my life living the fast lane um and uh and so that was kind of what my 20s looked like for sure um but then when I met my husband, we got married and I got pregnant pretty much right away because we'd been together for like four years. And as I said, like I, I gained a lot of weight with both pregnancies um, and I lost all the weight. And then, um, but I did it like very unhealthy. I mean, meaning like I went right back to my old, like I wasn't throwing up, but it was just, just like the diet mentality, like hardcore. I mean, I was doing like, yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Counting every single cat. Like it was crazy. Uh, and then you fast forward to, um, and this is really kind of just a story of my thirties. And you have to understand by this point, this is just the only way I've known how to live. Like I've just, I've been so miserable in my body and so self-conscious and so critical and so hating. And like, I can remember like for like 20 years of my life, there was never a time where I passed, where I went to the bathroom. And after I washed my hands, I didn't lift up my shirt to evaluate how like my stomach looked, did it look fat? Did it look like, like never a time, like, or I couldn't even pass by a mirror without like staring at my reflection and just ripping my body to shreds. Like it was, and what's so crazy is like I said, from the outside looking in, I would be like, what the hell? Like you've Mm. always been like, you've had a great, you've always been so in shape. Like, what do you, anyways. Right. Right. Um, and so I'm getting ready to turn 40. I've had now had both my kids and now I am in a very, very sad part of my life. My marriage is falling apart. I'm getting ready to turn 40. I am in a job um, that it, I could, I was had a very, very successful sales career. I was making a lot of money, but I could do it in my sleep. I was so unfulfilled. I knew I was meant for something more. I just didn't know what. Um, and I ended up and this is really what started my, like my healing, like doing, I was doing a lot of therapy in my twenties too. I've always, I've like, I've always had a therapist on standby, but <laughs> when I got into like this stage of my life, this is really when I started my like spiritual, even though I grew up in a religious home, like I, this is when I really started exploring like spirituality and reconnecting with myself and my intuition and, and looking, looking beyond organized religion and really leaning more into, again, kind of just the, the spirit 
spiritual side of life and exploring and allowing myself to explore it without the Baptist guilt screaming in my ear, right? Um, like- <laughs> every single thing that you just said to a T except Catholic guilt. Okay. Catholic guilt yeah. at 40. When I turned 40, it was like, I started like the spiritual journey. Like, yes, I listened, we'll call her daddy. Everybody listens to it, but yeah, yeah. Uh, she had Gwyneth Paltrow on oh, no. a couple of weeks ago. And she was like, it's like women get a software upgrade when they're 40. That's it's so like, true. as soon as you turn 40, you're like, whoa, like yeah. kind of step into exactly yeah. who you are, but it doesn't happen until you're 40. And I was like, that is exactly what happened to me. You just get like a software upgrade. Like everything is just more clear. You feel like confident. You don't care what anybody says anymore. It's just like this upgrade that you get. And that happened to you around the same age. Yep, for sure. And for me, right around that time, so much of what was the catalyst for that is I was really, really struggling with my marriage falling apart. I wonder now that you're thinking back to like when your parents got divorced, when you were younger, like, did you struggle with like, I have to make this work for my kids and like keep the family together? Like, how did you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will say like, I, you know, um, I, it was, so for me, kind of the implosion of our marriage was over probably a, uh, a couple years. Um, so, um, there was like, a, like I said, a, a series of events. And so the neck that, that kicked us off into therapy because I'm the fixer. And I was like, we're like, we're going to therapy. Um, but when you don't have both parties that are all in for therapy, and I mean all in, um, it makes it very, very difficult to recover. Um, and so I, we definitely started therapy, but he um, it, you know, really still wanted to move out. And, um, and so I let him, I let him move out. And then we started therapy again. Um, and, um, and I just, I got to the point where we were in therapy and then some other things surfaced. And I just realized that I cannot, that I wasn't going to change I just, I wasn't, it wasn't going to change. And I think you have to just get to that point, right? Like, and, and what, for me, what I realized was, is it is never for me and my own personal life. It's never a good thing to just stay together for the kids because I know what it's like to like have parents who are not in a happy place, even though they could be putting on a front for everybody that they're happy. Kids are very intuitive. In fact, kids are most connected to their intuition and they see things. They may not understand how to verbalize it, but they see things. They pick up on energy. They understand things. And so I think that parents that think that they are staying together for the kids, but they are unhappy, I think that they are telling themselves a lie. And so I think that I'm not, I'm not advocating divorce. It was the most painful thing I ever went through in my entire life, Hmm. but I fought like hell. I went to therapy for, you know, for, for two years and fought hard, but I just finally got to the place where I realized that to stay in this marriage was to deny myself. And I refused I refuse to be that role model for my kids. Love that. Right? Yes. Like I wanted to I want to be able to be in a relationship that's healthy and that's supportive and that's affectionate. I want my kids to be able to see what love is and, and, and from a healthy place, right? Mm-hmm. And so I also had the very positive experience of after my parents got divorced, my mom married my stepdad. 
And I'm very, very lucky in this regard. And so I think it was one of the main driving factors that gave me the courage and the belief that it is possible to create two loving homes Yeah, is that my stepdad and my dad actually became very good friends. Um, And so then like when my dad would come over to like see us, he would stay on our couch at the house. Like my dad and my stepdad would go camping together. Now I realize that that's not like normal, Wow, but it is possible to have two homes. Um, I think that create loving environments for the kids. And in my opinion, just because I grew up that way, I just got to the point where I realized that that was better than staying in, staying where I was at because I was, the situation was never going to change. And you just made me think of it. Like you're, what are you showing like your daughter that this is how love is like, that this is what love is. You were looking at this happening to her and be like, you are so much better than this. Why are you like putting up with this? It's like, if you look at yourself that way, how you would like instruct her, like, what are you doing? Like you kind of are instructing her by how you're living. So if you're allowing it for yourself, she's going to be like, oh no, this is just how marriage is. It's like, you have to model the best possible scenario so that she seeks that out because she's like, no, this is bet. I, I know that this is not love. You know, you have to show them what you want for them. And if you're not in that, then like, what are you modeling? Absolutely. And I think what's really important though, again, is that I by no means am taking, you know, the contract of marriage lightly. If it were up to me, I would never be divorced. It is not the life I wanted. I I did not choose this life, but, you know, going back to, you know, when we were talking about kind of like my journey and like, you know, when I started my spiritual path, so much of why I started that spiritual path was really focused on finding the the purpose and the pain, right? Which uh, obviously I've, I know you've heard, heard that somewhere. Heard that somewhere. Was was yeah. was really my quest and my desire to figure out like why? What's the lesson? Yes. Like God, what's the lesson for me here, right? And so I think what's really important, and I know you know everybody parents differently, but I know for me and my with my daughter, there was a few things coming out of the marriage that were really important to me. Number one, it was showing my kids that, um, that, that their dad and I love each other very much and we can still have a family. It just looks a little bit different. Right. And I've been very, very mindful of that piece of it. Um, and I've also been very, very mindful of letting, you know, her and my son know that their mom's a fighter, that this was not something that I just took very lightly. And that I just said, Oh, I guess we'll just get a divorce. Like, No, it was, this was very, you know, there was a lot of intention there. There was a lot of work that went on there. Yeah. And that's what you said around 40, you started the spiritual journey. So it was your 40th birthday and you went on, you were going to go to like Cabo, but you, you rerouted. More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. Guys, we're moms. We're not out on the town every night anymore. We're chasing our toddlers through our kitchen. But there are those times where you want just that little extra something. Maybe it's a girl's night, a wedding, a date night, a work event. If you're looking for that little extra confidence boost, you need Rejuvalift. Rejuvalift delivers dramatic results to minimize the look of lines, wrinkles, crow's feet, those 11 lines that I have between my eyebrows. I use it on the bags under my eyes. Guys, it works in four minutes and delivers results up to seven hours. I've tried it. I'm obsessed. And now Squats and Margaritas listeners can get 20% off at rejuvaliftbeauty.com using code margaritas. 
That's R-E-J-U-V-A liftbeauty.com and use promo code margaritas. You need this in your life. Shipping is free. You get 20% off. Go to rejuvaliftbeauty.com. Now back to squats and margaritas. Hell yeah. I was going to go to like girls gone wild. Like it was happening. Like I had like, I was going to run a villa. It was all the things. No, and I just, I wasn't feeling it. It was just not it. So I rerouted and I went to Costa Rica for a yoga retreat. And my best friend met me out there, but I was really kind of just going with the intention of like having a friend out there in my yoga group, but really kind of like a solo trip. I just wanted to have a lot of time um, by myself. And I really went with the intention of trying to figure out what my next career move was going to be. Because the truth is, is that I knew divorce was on like on the horizon. And so I was trying to like set myself up before I got divorced of like where I wanted to do with my career. And I was really, I was trying to like map some things out. And so I went with the intention of what was I going to do? And I remember you know, sitting on the beach and I was meditating and I was by myself and I was having a very just quiet moment with God and myself. And I just simply said like, God, what, like, what, what do you want? What am I supposed to do here? And I started writing down like all of the things that I'm good at, that I enjoy. And all of a sudden, like the word just coach hit me. And I know for a lot of people thinking like, that sounds like a very basic word, like, like that's not some like magical like word, but I can tell you for whatever reason, the word coach had never really entered my mind. Like I never really thought of the word coach, but though it, but it, I, it was just like, it was such a hit. And if you've ever had a hit, like a divinely (laughs) guided hit, nobody can argue with you. You just know it. It is not even a thought. It is a feeling in your bones. My butterfly. Like you're like, are you kidding me right now? (laughs) Yeah. There's no denying it. It's like, there's yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. It was just, and I just knew, and I was like, oh, well shit. I never thought of that. I never thought of how, you know, what that would look like. And so, yeah, I asked real quick. I bet you never thought of it because of imposter syndrome. And you're like, no, I can't coach because I'm still in the mess. Like I'm not throwing up my food, but how am I going to coach other people? That's what I would think. I hundred percent. I was like, I don't even know what I could coach on right now. Right. Like, I don't even know what I can coach on, but I was like, I thought a little bit more about it. And I was like, you know, I've always been, you know, super into fitness. In fact, early in my twenties, I got my personal training certification, but it was only because I wanted to understand how to manipulate my own body because I was so effed up in my eating disorder. It wasn't I, I wanted, wanted to, to go people. to school to uh, yeah. study nutrition just so I could find like more tricks or like open a restaurant so yeah. I could control like the menu and like make sure I didn't eat bad things. I, we're the same. Yeah, same. Yeah. So I was like that. So I was like, you know, I don't really know what this looks like, but I'm, and I, and I really, I think what helped me too is a therapist helped me realize like, you don't have to have it all figured out right now. Just take one action step. Like, don't get, don't get stuck. Don't get paralyzed, right? Don't get stuck. Just make one step. And I thought, okay, I don't have to have it all figured out, but I'm going to re up my personal training certification and I'm going to, um, I'm going to go to school for integrative nutrition. Now, I will also say that seed was also planted in my mind a little bit because I lost my father to cancer about 10 years earlier, Mm. back or about eight years earlier um, in my early 30s. And so that like that kind of started the seed planning for me one and like having kids. I wanted to learn how to eat more healthy, like organic, like all these things. And so I thought, you know what, this is a great opportunity for me to go back to school for, you know, to go to school for integrated nutrition. And that's really what kicked it off. Now I will say going back to the imposter syndrome, 
I didn't start out my coaching thinking I was going to get into helping women to sustainably lose weight and help them with their body image issues. I couldn't even get to that place because I was so effed up in my own body image issues that all I kept thinking about was there's no way that I can be like, people can come to me for that because the amount of pressure it's going to be on me to look perfect, to like eat perfect, to like have the great body to all that. I was like, there's absolutely no way. And slowly, but surely throughout this integrated nutrition program, I like, I just started to like heal my relationship with my food. And I started to, you know, just really start to maybe look at things a little bit differently. But what I will say, it's really interesting. You know, the cat, what catapulted me in my business and becoming a coach was I got on TikTok right around when the pandemic, right at the right place, right time. And I heard a marketer talk about getting on TikTok to grow your business. And I was terrified about that. This is somebody who refused. I'd never taken a selfie. I refused to be on pictures. I hated my body. I wouldn't do any of that. I was so critical of myself. But I was like, my drive to succeed was so far, like surpassed my fear that I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. And what's so crazy is that what really healed myself, healed me and like learning to like love what I see in the mirror was actually me being forced to be on camera so much. In the beginning, it was like, holy shit, to make a 15 second video took me 75 hours. Like it was like, it was ridiculous. And I still hated all of it, right? (laughs) But slowly, but surely, like what happened for me is that the more comfortable I got on camera and the more I was on camera, it's it's the weirdest thing, but I started being able to watch myself almost as like a third party. Mm -hmm. And I started having thoughts like, Oh, wow. I kind of like that girl. Oh, I like what you said there. Like I would be her friend. Like I, (laughs) her, she's funny. Like whatever. And I started, I just started liking myself a little bit more. And, and of course I was doing therapy and all things, but I'm just saying like, I just, I, and so that was like, that just really started to, you know, heal just my relationship with me, which is build your confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I love, um, you said like a business coach was telling you, like, if somebody's listening to this, like, I want to step into purpose and like, find what I should do, but I don't know where to start. It's like, what do people come to you for? That was the question. And and that was so funny. That was the question that like, really, she pushed me to go into the weight loss. And I basically had no other choice than to heal my shit and get my shit <laughs> together. Okay. Because she was right. Like she was right. That is what people came to me for, like all my friends and like whatever. And I realized that I'm 40 years old and I have the opportunity to really connect with other women, you know, over the age of 40, um, who may have been struggling with their bodies with, you know, who are a lot of women struggle with their bodies, especially over 40. And I, I have been given, um, the opportunity to maybe help women heal a lot of the same issues that I went through and to get on the other side of all of this nonsense. You found purpose in your pain. Yeah. Like that's exactly why you, you went through it to come out on the other end. And if anybody that's thinking of building a brand heard how niche down what you do is, that is what I need to learn from you. Cause I'm like, I just want to help the women. And you're like women over 40, helping them heal their relationship with food. 
talk about the importance of like finding that exact, I don't have a specific, I'm like eating disorder recovery, fitness, uh, margaritas. Like I'm just all over to all the women and you have to niche down to find your people. You know, I think where it starts is, is that, so, you know, my, yes, I, I, I help women achieve sustainable weight loss and really stop the dieting, but I do that through, there are the tac there's a tactical piece of it because of my background and my certifications and all of that. But so much of it too, is the healing, the relationship with food. It's the mindset work. It's, it's so many of the tools that really helped me to overcome this. But I think that, you know, when you think about, um, kind of niching, niching down. And you're right. If anyone's listening to this and wanting to start a brand, it, it can be, it can be daunting, right? It can be daunting for a lot of different reasons, but I think it also first starts with who do you want to work with, right? Like who do you, yeah. who do you want to help? Who do you want to help? Right. Because you got to enjoy who you work with too. Like that's a big, big place. Right. And so I think that it's, it's who do you want to work with? And then like, why do people why do people come to you? And here's the thing too, is that just because you start to hype, like you start to get focused on a niche doesn't mean you can't help other people. Yeah. Like I'm always going to, but what it allows you to do is it allows you to serve people actually better because you're able to go deeper on what they're really struggling with. When you're focusing on too many things and too <laughs> many people, it's so many things. But if you can get really clear on who you're trying to help, you can, you can make a bigger impact because you're able to get to their struggles a lot faster and go deeper with them. Oh my gosh. I love that. Right. Yes. Yeah. And I, we've gotten so into your story. And so now, you know, anybody that's listening to this, how you got to where you are now. And it's not just like this wellness coach. That's always, you know, had this passion. Now I want to get into like what you teach. And there are so many just gems that like listening to you talk about when women come to you and they want fat loss and they're talking about diets, talk about the importance of a sustainable plan and how it needs to be a lifestyle and why diets don't work. Absolutely. I love that. Well, you know, I think that most of the women, especially over 40, you know, they do at some level, uh, at some level know that diets don't work because there's a reason why they keep losing the weight and gaining it back. Right. And, and that's because, you know, diets teach us to go right for the nutrition. They teach us to go right for the exercise. We double down on going right for those two things. Right. But they do nothing to teach us about habits, about lifestyle, about mindset. And so then what happens when we end the diet, right? Well, over time, slowly but surely, or even, or maybe something happens quickly and life gets in the way, we go right back to what we know because we don't really have a foundation in place to sustain to sustain that weight loss, right? Like we get so focused on becoming, you know, losing the 20 pounds, but in reality, what you did to get there, it doesn't really work for your life. It's not really that enjoyable and it's not sustainable. If it was, you'd still be doing it. Exactly. Like, you, know, you do it and you lose the weight, but it's like, I don't want to do this forever. You don't want to like, do that. Uh, keto. I don't want to eat butter and all this like high fat stuff forever. I lost weight, but it's like, eventually, if it's not something that you enjoy, uh, it's not going to work for you. And people are like, well, this person lost 20 pounds on this. Maybe it works for them. And it's like, sure. your lifestyle is not the same. And if it doesn't work for you specifically, you're not going to stay with it. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, one of the biggest, one of the biggest, um, you know, struggles that I hear a lot of women who come to me is they say to me, they're like, Amber, it's not that I don't know what to do. I, I, I know what to do and how to lose weight. I just can't maintain it. Or I struggle to stay. Or one of the other things I hear is like, I struggle to stay consistent, right? And what I always say, and and a lot, and what comes with that when women are struggling to stay consistent, meaning like they're trying to adhere to this whatever program they've devised in their own head. Maybe it's you know maybe they are trying to find like follow a specific diet, or maybe it's just from years of dieting and rules they've picked up and food rules, and you know got to do this specific workout, and I got to fast before noon, I got to do all like all yeah. these things. First of all, it's too freaking much for a lot of people, right? No wonder why we can't stick to it. It's just too much. But, mm-hmm. you know, if they're struggling to stay consistent with that, you know, that can be a very self-defeating, vicious cycle. And every time you you don't, you struggle with consistency and every time you fail at every diet, there goes a little chip of your confidence. Yeah. There goes shame. a little chip, shame, yeah. the shame, guilt. the self-worth, the guilt, lack of self-worth, the guilt, all of that, yes. right? And what I would say to women is I say, listen, If you are somebody that finds yourself, you know, falling on and off the wagon, right? I mean, you cannot Mm -hmm. stay consistent. What I want you to know, and if you're listening to this and you are somebody that says, I just, I just keep falling on off the wagon. I don't know why I can't stay consistent. I want you to know that you are not the problem. The problem is your freaking wagon. Your wagon sucks. (laughs) <laughs> what you're trying, what you're trying to stick to this wagon you've created that you're trying, it sucks. It doesn't work for you. Stop. Okay. Right. Like this is why you can't, this is why you keep falling on and off the wagon. Yes. And so when we talk about sustainable weight loss, we do talk about a lifestyle. I do talk about a lifestyle. I talk about creating habits that work for your life. And that is where it starts. It's not the sexy way to lose weight and it's not the fast way to lose weight, but it is the way to lose weight and keep it off. Yes. Talk about the power of permission. Yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank yes, you. Girl, you are, you are hitting my hot button. <laughs> thank you. It. I love that so much because <laughs> that changed up. everything for me. Taking yeah. it off the pedestal. Oh my God. Oh, so you know, so many women, when it comes to weight loss, I had, I had somebody, uh, I was working with a new marketing coach and we were working on some of my messaging and, and we were talking about, you know, why women think that they struggle with weight loss. And a lot of women think that they struggle with weight loss. Again, going back to the whole, like, because they, they, you know, they don't, they don't have enough willpower or they struggle with consistency or whatever it is. And what a lot of women don't realize is that a lot of the reason also why they struggle to stay consistent is because of their relationship with food. You know, diet culture teaches us to have this list of foods that are the good food list and the bad food list. Every diet has it, right? It's the foods to eat and the foods to avoid. Every every diet has it, right? And and what happens is that we then develop this, you know, we, we then it starts off at a probably whatever age dieting started for us. It's like, okay, these foods are good and these foods are bad. But then over time with every failed diet, with every, you know, like failed attempt to lose the weight, it starts to become like this whole intertwined effed up relationship with food, which is if I eat this good food, then I, then I am good. (laughs) If I eat this bad food, then I am bad. 
right? And so that's what starts to perpetuate this whole, like the feelings of guilt, the waking up on the, the next morning and feeling like you have to start all over again, yes. right? For so yes. many women, the diet culture creates this all or nothing mentality. It creates this, you know, this, especially like my type A perfectionist women like myself, right? Like, <laughs> like you, right. You know, we start, we, we, it just, it just furthers this idea that like, we either have to be like all in or we're all out. Right. Yes, and, if you break it, you may as well just go all yes. the way off your little stupid wagon because I ate a cookie. Ah, I broke it. So yes. you give yourself permission to eat all the cookies. And now if you can make it a lifestyle, you can allow a cookie. It's not off limits and just be okay. Well, absolutely. And what I will tell you is that, you know, when we allow ourselves, going back to the power of permission, you know, when we start to understand and accept the mantra of, I tell all my clients this, you're a grown ass woman. You're a grown ass woman. You can eat whatever you want. There is no food list of good foods and bad foods. There are foods that are going to move the needle more, a little bit more in your weight loss goals. That is a fact, right? I'm not going to say a Snickers bar is the same as broccoli, right? Like that's not the same, but there's no good food list and there's no, there's no food morality. Food is neutral. Right. And that takes away this idea that if you eat it, you're good or you're, you'll eat it, you're bad. Right. And when we can start to adopt this idea that food is neutral and that you're a grown ass woman, you give yourself permission, right? Something crazy happens in your brain. You know, we spend so much of our brain when somebody is telling us we can't have something, we're in that like primal part of our brain. And that's where we stay stuck. But when you can, and I don't care what your mantra is, like I said, for me and all my clients, it's I'm a grown ass woman. I teach clients when they go start to go down that like ping ponging uh, talk track in their brain of like, okay, here's the scenario. Somebody brings cookies into the break room or like whatever. You're at a kid's birthday party. You want a piece of the cake. You immediately start this for so many of us. It's it's no, you can't have it. Like I see it. I want it. And it's no, you can't have it. Like this, this is the psychological, like this is the, the thing that goes on. No, you can't have that. Right. Yeah. Whatever that looks like for you. And then, and then it just starts this thing. Now for a lot of us, we can, uh, and, and it just depends on like what's going on with you emotionally, how tired you are, like where you're at in your willpower game for that day. You may be able to, to fight it off. Right. You may be able to say, okay, fine. I'm not going to have that. Right. But every single time you tell yourself no, you just contribute to a, a to a future fall off the wagon. Like that's what because like, your willpower is a muscle it'll give out, right? Yes. And so by having the tool of having the mantra to be able to take that pause of I see the cookie, I want the cookie, and instead of saying no, I can't have it, replacing that thought with I'm a grown ass woman. Hell yeah, I can have the cookie if I want. You take back your power. You take back your power. You do a couple of things. Number one, you take back your power. Number two, you create a pause. You create a pause to allow your brain to move you to a more rational part of your brain, mm -hmm. which says, okay, hey, I'm out of the monkey mind. I can have it if I want brain. Okay, back <laughs> up. I can have it if I want. I'm taking back my power. And then you're going to move to that more rational part of your brain, which then allows you to get curious, right? And it allows you to be like, hey, do I do it? Okay, I want this cookie. Do I really want this cookie? Or yeah, you know what? I do want a cookie. I'm gonna have one. I'm gonna enjoy the hell out of it and move on with my life, right? Or yeah, or like, you know what? Girl, you probably don't really want the cookie. You probably like you're thirsty. You're hungry. They do the same yeah. thing with people with alcohol, right? It's like, you know, I can't remember that acronym, right? But it's like, 
you think you want to drink, right? Like you move down the list, right? Like, am I hungry? Like, am I tired? Like intuitive eating. What am I really feeling? What am I really feeling? But I can promise you this. If you don't give yourself permission to take back your power, right? To create that pause in your brain, you're, you will never get to that rational part of your brain that allows you to ask those questions. You will stay stuck in the monkey brain. That's lifestyle 1.0. And you will end up eventually that caves. And then you overindulge on the cookies. And then you get a case of the efforts. You're like, F it, I've already messed up. I feel so bad about myself. I'm just going to start tomorrow. And then <laughs> yeah. Start over on Monday. Eat all and now, the cookies start over and, on Monday. And now, and here we go, right? Like yes, this, it's a cycle, but it's what you cycle. said. When she, if it's not on the pedestal and it is allowed, it's not an off limit food. It's not as enticing. And I get that it's scary. Like if I have a cookie, what if I can't stop? And I've had those thoughts. Like you think you'll binge when it's allowed, you will be surprised how little you even need to feel satisfied. Satis- like yes. to have your brain feel satisfied because it got an actual cookie. And like, for me, I used to say like, I would buy those high protein, low sugar cardboard and I would eat them all because they were high protein, low sugar. And I would be not satisfied because it was cardboard, but now I eat a cookie. I don't need another cookie. Like my brain is satisfied because I got an actual cookie. So if anybody's afraid to make something not off limits, because then they'll binge, I used to binge and purge and I get that skepticism, but it's like, if you don't look at it as like, it's kind of same thing with alcohol. Like I'm not drinking this week. And then it's like, oh, I had a sip. Might as well have the bottle because I broke it. It's just not as enticing. Like you said, it's neutral. It's cookies. It's wine. It's not like off limits. And speaking of wine, how is your uh, <laughs> journey? Yeah, your no. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. One thing I want to add, though, just real quick before we jump over to that. More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. Now back to squats and margaritas. I just want to say something. I had a dude. It's always the dudes. They're just such trolls sometimes. I'm not like a dude hater, but I just mean like so many of like, it's always like the the men coaches that like to come in. I had a guy on my page post the other day, something like, you know, uh, I just think that everything in moderation is bullshit. And I'm going to tell you what, what right now. You're right. Everything in moderation is bullshit. What he was trying to, he's like, I just think there are some foods that should be off limits and everything in moderation is a lie. I and, don't. And, and here's the thing, which why that is so absolutely ignorant. The truth is, is that another word for moderation is satisfaction. Because when you can go throughout your week feeling satisfied, you will naturally moderate because you don't have this desire or this need to like go binge because you've been you've been giving yourself a little bit of nutritional relief mindfully throughout the week. You are taking foods off the pedestal. And so so you if you are practicing satisfaction throughout your week, you are enjoying the food you're eating, you will naturally naturally practice moderation for I sure. completely agree yeah. with you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're satisfied with not having to binge because you're getting what you want. So yes. if you're allowing for all foods to be allowed and you have a little bit, it's not, yes, I completely disagree with him because when you know you can have it, you, there's no need to binge. It's yeah. not like this far off, like fantasy food that you're not supposed to have. It's just food. It's neutral. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, okay. So yeah, so I know. So on my show, we talked a little bit about, um, you know, just like the sober curious and what all that looks like. And I, you know, I've been very open on my show and, you know, when, and different podcasts I've done is that, and it, 
for as we talk about this and you and I talked about this, like for people who are type A perfectionists, had eating disorders, uh, you know, all the all the the, the coke I did in my twenties, like <laughs> It's no surprise that, yes, have I uh, abused alcohol along the way of in my life? For sure, right? Um, it is for me, I am a, like, I am that balls to the wall. I go big, go home type of girl. And so, yes, I have definitely had to work over the years, um, working on my relationship with alcohol. Um, it has definitely been something, you know, fortunately for me, I have not reached, uh, I've not had anything, you know, terrible that's happened to me. Um, you know, I've never gotten a DUI. I'm not like, you know, I, I just, just to say, and again, there's no judgment that's happened in people's lives. I just mean that for me personally, I was fortunate enough to where I didn't experience any of those things. Those weren't the catalyst for me to look within and realize like, hey, I don't love, you know, that I uh, drank, you know, two bottles of wine last night and I feel like shit yeah. today. Like that's heavy drinking. And see, for me, you know, I grew up, my dad was a rugby player. I went to University of Florida. Is it like, I grew I, I grew <laughs> heavy drinking has been so normalized throughout my night. Now, some people listening to this would be like, holy shit, you drink two bottles of wine. But I got to tell you, like, if it's normalized, like it is it, the spectrum of drinking, depending on culturally how you grew up, like what your circumstances are, it can be so normalized. Yes. And yeah, the fact we, that you said it, there's somebody listening to this that also drank two bottles of wine, but would never say it out loud. Like the fact that you say it out loud, you are conscious of it. You're not just blindly pouring wine. And I think that's what we talked about on your yeah. show. It's like being aware and like sober curious is like, I, you don't drink just mindlessly, which I used to until yeah. this naked mind, like Annie Grace book. Um, now I drink consciously. I'm not sober. And I said like, we're the same. I don't think I can be because it just makes it more like it's off limits. Like I can't have alcohol. I'm a grown ass woman. I can have alcohol, but I drink less and I feel yeah. better, but it is still a part of my lifestyle. And I don't know if it ever will not be. No, I pre and let me be clear. I did not drink two balls of wine last night. I would actually be, I would be. You didn't even prep for this interview. You're drunk. <laughs> I was learning your words. At, four, at 44 years old, if I drank two balls of wine, like I would be, I would be not in a good spot. Yeah. I feel so sick. But, but what I'm saying is like, look, ha ha have I on a, a Friday night drank two bottles of wine before? Yes. And did I wake up the next day feeling physically really sick? And, but also like mentally not in a good space. And that's for me, I think what's really important for everybody, um, you know, obviously if your safety is a concern or you're putting others in danger or your safety is a concern, that this is a whole other conversation. What I'm talking about right now is more of that gray area drinking that I think a lot of people live in, but people are ashamed to talk about. Yes. That's what I'm talking about here. Yes. So like, let's be Same. clear on that. Talking about that gray area drinking. And I think what's really important is that you have to decide, like, of course, you can take all these different tests of whether or not you're abusing alcohol, where you are on the spectrum, like whatever that looks like. Right. But again, all of that, again, when we're talking about gray area drinking, I think it can so much depend on, again, like how you grew up culturally, like what you define as heavy drinking two bottles of wine to somebody may, somebody may think of that as like, oh my God, you're above, you know, you're, you're dead in a ditch. And other people may be like, yeah, that was a really fun Friday night. Right. Like, right. You're so it, but, but at the, yeah, at the end of the day, what's the most important and what matters is you have to decide for yourself what works for you and what doesn't. And for me, when I wake up, 
I definitely like, I think as somebody who can be like experience really highs, I can also experience a lot of lows. And although alcohol, I do think that alcohol affects people's dopamine receptors differently, right? Like there's, you know, I always say there's like, there's two kinds of people. There's like the one person that has the first glass of wine and they're like, oh, I feel good. And maybe they, they have a second. They're like, okay, I'm good. Now that ain't me. The other person, which is me, is like, I had that first glass of wine. I'm like, hell yeah, let's go, right? Like, I'm having a great time. Like, I want to keep going. I'm having fun. And so, you know, you, and so for me, you know, that, that, you know, kind of that, the the way it fuels my dopamine receptors, the way that it can, I can react with it. It also then the very next day can make me feel very depressed, Mm -hmm. very depressed, very low. And so I just, I realized a long time ago that that doesn't work for me. Like I don't enjoy being that way. Now I'm not saying I'm never hungover and like that. Like, of course, sometimes I can like have a little too much. I feel like shit the next day and I, I, you know, but I am very, I'm along in my sober, curious journey of feeling like, okay, what does my alcohol, what does my life look like without alcohol? What does my life look like? If I reduce alcohol, I have just decided that I personally feel better when I don't overdo it, when I really cut back, when I most nights out of the week, I don't drink right right? for me. Like that's what works for me. Um, But I think that's what you have to get really clear on is, is it working for you? And don't try and hide behind standards and what this quiz says and what that and what your friend said, get really honest with yourself. And is it working for you or is it not? And if it's not, fortunately, there's been so many pioneers in this area of gray drinking gray area drinking, like, uh, you know, Annie Grace, we had talked about Amanda Kuda. Um, she's coming out with a new book that I'm really excited about. There's been a lot of women in this space that have been willing to step up and, and really address this area of gray drinking, which made it possible for people like you and I to be able to talk about it without shame. Um, and so I think that's, you know, what's really important there. Yes. What works for you. And for me, it was like alcohol just doesn't serve me in my forties, like it did in my twenties and thirties. It's the same thing. Like I still drink, but I'm more conscious of over drinking. Yeah. This has been like, there's so many takeaways. Um, You are just so candid and vulnerable. I mean, if anybody's going through an eating disorder, a divorce, uh, sobriety challenges, like we've hit on everything and you are such a fabulous guest. Where can people find you if they want more from you? Yes. Well, I definitely, of course, I know I mentioned TikTok, but really I love to connect and it's me answering the DMs. I love for you to reach out in my DMs over on Instagram and I'm just um, Miss Amber Shaw, MS Amber Shaw. Um, I also have a podcast, the Wellness Revolution podcast. I really, it is a lifestyle podcast. I'm covering really all things life after 40, uh, nutrition, exercise, you know, personal development, growth, all the things. Um, And so, yeah, head over there, check that out. Hit me up on uh, Instagram and let's connect. Thank Thank you so much for listening to the Squats and Margaritas podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of Squats and Margaritas.